Well, good morning, church. It is a privilege to be able to open God's Word with you on this Communion Sunday. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to the Old Testament book of Exodus. Uh, There is a physical Bible in your pew if you need it, and I think it's page 59 for your device, Exodus chapter 17. We will get to our text in just a minute. Uh, But we are in the middle of a sermon series this summer on the character of God who leads us through the wilderness. And I want us to remember something. As we go through these first few sermons, it is God that is leading His people, the Israelites, through this wilderness journey. It wasn't the Israelites' sin that led them into the wilderness. It's their sin that keeps them in the wilderness. If You can go to Numbers to read about that. But here, God is leading them every step of the way. And this morning, we're going to look at a characteristic of a God who provides for the people who He leads through the wilderness. Now, I want to ask a question, do a quick poll in here. Some of us, I have learned, are slow learners, and some of us are quick learners. So which are you? Are you a slow learner? Put your hand up if you're a slow learner. Or are you a quick learner? You learn things quickly, you take things up quickly? All right. Well, I wish I was a quick learner, but if 22 years of marriage and 20 years of being a parent and 36 years of being a Christian have taught me anything, it is that I am a very slow learner. And the Israelites are very slow learners as well. What we see in this first part of this wilderness journey is God has sent ten plagues on Pharaoh and the people in the land of Egypt to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he would let God's people go. We have seen God deliver His people through the Red Sea, through that miraculous parting of the waters. God has already given them water to drink, sweet water. And last week we learned that God had given them manna. Well, here we are in Exodus 17. They're thirsty and they still have not learned that whatever challenge presents itself to them in this wilderness journey, God will provide. They are extremely slow learners to know that God always provides. And when we think about God providing, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, I think it might be hard for Christians in a middle to upper class America to resonate with the truth that God provides. Why is that? I think it's hard because most of us have what we need, don't we? Most of us can still go to the gas station and it only costs a little bit of anxiety, right? Most of us can go to our pantries or our fridges and get whatever we want to eat. And if it's not there, we can go to Publix or we can punch in an order on our app and have it even delivered to our doorstep. Most of us will go home to air conditioning today. Most of us, when sick, can go to the doctor Most of us in this sanctuary and on our live stream have the things that we need. And so to think about a God that provides can sometimes be a little bit of a distant thought for us because we provide everything, or so it seems. 
Now, I do think there are more people than we realize in our congregation that are struggling financially right now. But I'll say this. Here's where I would like you to think. Here's what I'd like you to think about in your mind and in your heart as we get into this text. What is the pain point in your heart this morning that you are wrestling with the Lord over? Maybe even quarreling with the Lord over. It could be financial. It could be a physical need. It could be a sickness or a disease. It could be a relationship that seems to be falling apart. It could be a prodigal kid that you are struggling. Is the Lord going to bring this kid back to himself or herself? All of us in this room, all of us on the live stream have a pain point where we struggle to trust whether or not the Lord is going to provide. And I'd like for us to think about that in our lives as we approach this text. So, Exodus chapter 17. Let's read verses 1 through 7. Hear God's Word. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? May God bless the reading of His Word this morning. So three points on this Communion Sunday. God's people quarrel. God's person intercedes, and God always provides. God's people quarrel. So in verse 2, we are confronted again with the attitude of the people of Israel. But here's what I want you to notice. In our sermons before, the attitude of the Israelites has been complaining. right? They've, they've voiced or verbalized their complaints to one another, to Moses, to the Lord. But the Hebrew word here, quarreling, is a lot more of a verbal controversy, right? They are struggling with Moses. They are struggling with the Lord. They are striving and disputing with Him. Their attitude has gone from bad to worse. They are quarreling with Moses and quarreling over this predicament of they're thirsty and they want water. So their attitude is going from bad to worse. And I want us to see two things, two reasons why I think 
their attitude is being challenged right here. And the first is this. The Israelite people are servants of instant gratification. What do they say to Moses? Give us water to drink. Right? Now granted, they are thirsty. It's a desert. They've been hiking a lot. So they are thirsty. We can resonate with that. But what do they want? They want water when they want it. They want water on demand. Right? That's their attitude. Moses, we've had it. Give us water to drink right now. They are servants of instant gratification. And this after God has already provided bread, water, deliverance. But they want what they want when they want it. They demand it. I think this might be a struggle for us. right? I think sometimes we can be servants of instant gratification. I was just listening to a sermon this week by a professor at Fuller Seminary, and he said, we live in a, a popcorn culture, right? Everything's instant. You pop it in the microwave, you get it out, and you eat the snack. Immediate, one and a half minutes later, you're ready to eat. Everything about our culture is instant. right? Amazon Prime. We have every streaming service we need to watch whatever show we want to watch when we want to watch it. We can have groceries delivered to our doorstep. We, we live in an instant gratification culture, and we are an instant gratification people, like it or not. But here's the, the, the bad side of that, is that our instant gratification seeps into our Christianity. God isn't an instant gratification God. God is a lead you through the desert, lead you through the wilderness, because there are things that you will only learn about Him and about yourself in the wilderness not in an instant gratification life. So their desire, their being servants of instant gratification is causing them to quarrel against Moses and quarrel against the Lord because they want water now. But the second thing is this, they're servants of the past. Because what do they say again? Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Just to kill us? Just to kill all of our children and all of our animals? They're servants of the past. For the Israelites, back then is always better. They would rather be slaves in Egypt because at least their slaveholders gave them food and water to drink. And that's their attitude. It would be better to be a servant to the Egyptians where we know we had food and water than to be here in this wilderness where we can't see where the water is going to come from. They're servants of the past. That could be a tendency for us, can't it? We can be servants of the past. We can always think that back then is always better. It can happen in the context of a church. Back when we had that service. Back when we had that pastor. Back when, right? Church is always better back then. How about our country? How many of us long to go back Oh, back then, it was so much better. Was it? Was it? I hear some of us, we talk about kids and teenagers today. Oh, well, back when I was a kid and a teenager, I surely wouldn't have done well. Would you have really? Back then is not always better. But let's say for the sake of argument it is. What if it was? But look at where God's leading the people. 
Where are they going? And they just sang about this in Exodus 15. It was just a few months ago that they sang this worship song that said, God, you are taking us to a promised land and we are going to establish this mountain of Jerusalem for you. And every people group that we come across on this journey is going to be terrified of us. They just sang that song to the Lord. And yet here they are, three months later, ready to just go on back to Egypt. Here's what the Israelite people needed, and here's what we need. We need the eyes of faith to look ahead to where God is leading us. Because if God is leading us somewhere, that somewhere is going to be better than where we are right now. Because that's His character. So, God's people are quarreling. They're servants of instant gratification. They're servants of the past. Secondly, though, God's person intercedes. God's person, Moses, intercedes. And this was one of Moses' primary responsibilities, right? He took the complaints of the people to the Lord, and he brought the word of the Lord to the people, the commands of God to the people. He interceded on behalf of God's people. But what do we see here in Exodus 17? I think Moses is exasperated. Because what does he say? What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. He's exhausted. He may be frustrated, certainly aggravated, because these people have complained about everything. Every situation they have encountered, the people have complained or grumbled or now are quarreling. And Moses is really afraid for his life. What are these people going to do to me? They may just kill me and then just start the hike back to, to Egypt. But even in Moses' exasperation, what does he do? He presses on to intercede on behalf of God's people that God would provide everything that they need, that God would show up, that God would show himself faithful to his people, that God would provide. Now, I want to talk for just a minute about our church. Let's think about our church. Where is our church right now? Will God continue to provide for our church? Will God continue to grow our church after a pandemic and a pastoral transition? Will God replenish leadership with some of our staff transitioning to different roles in His kingdom? Will God continue to enable Northeast to financially be a blessing to so many church plants, to so many local and global organizations? Will God continue to do that? Will He continue to provide in this wilderness journey? Well, has He? Has He provided growth for Northeast over a 40-year history? Has He provided new directors, new assistant pastors through the years as God moves His servants around? Has God provided financially for His church through the years? Has He? Yes! Yes, He has! Now, I want to take a little pastoral privilege, say this. As a pastor, and I think I speak for Eric and for Pastor Josh as well, one of the greatest joys about being a pastor is that we are invited into some of the most painful points of your lives. Are we not? 
when a sickness or disease hits, we are invited to visit and pray. When a relationship falls apart, we are invited into that. When a kid is running from the Lord, we are invited into that hardship. Right When there are points of your lives where it doesn't seem like God is going to provide for you, we as pastors get invited into that, to pray with you, to talk with you, to sit with you. And it's one of the great joys of being an intercessor, like Moses was for the people of Israel. But here's what your pastors need. Pastor Josh and Pastor Eric, here's what they need. They need your encouragement. They need to hear the encouraging words through the letter or through a message or an email or in person. Not just to them, but about them to others. That's what your leaders need. They need encouragement. They need your prayers. They need your trust. They need, you to, they need to hear you say, you know what? If this is where the cloud is moving northeast, then sign us up. We're going. Because my covenant vow was for the peace and the purity of this church. And that means humbling ourselves to the elders and the deacons and the pastors and going with them. And so as we think about Moses being exasperated by the complaining of the people, why don't we be an encouragement to our leaders, an encouragement to our pastors as they lead on God's behalf through this wilderness journey that God has us on? So, God's people quarrel, God's person is interceding, and then finally, God always provides. Despite the quarreling, Despite the grumbling, despite the demand for instant water, despite wanting to go back to slavery, despite their lack of faith, what does God do? He still provides water. I think this is interesting. Uh, I mean, first there's the miracle, right? He, He strikes the rock with his staff and the water gushes out. That's a miracle. Can't explain that. But here's what I find interesting about this passage. Who does God specifically tell Moses to get to bring along with him? The elders. Twice in this passage, God says, get the elders. Take the elders with you so that they can see you strike this rock and the water come out. Why do you think that is? This is my speculation. I think the elders, the leaders of the people of Israel, I think they were caught in the middle Right, they heard the grumbling, the complaining, and the quarreling of the people of God. And they themselves were pretty thirsty. And they themselves were looking around this desert thinking, I don't know where this water's coming from. That was a temptation for those elders. But on the other hand, we, we know God's leading us. He's a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. And He's leading us through this wilderness. And He gave us water before. And He gave us bread before. So... I think that He'll give us water when we need it. I think they're caught in the middle. And so I think God says to Moses, hey, bring these elders with you so that they can see this miracle that I am going to perform to show you your need is going to be met. If you have a need in this wilderness journey, I, the Lord, am going to provide it for you in ways that you probably would never expect. 
And I think the call of the elders here in Exodus 17 is to stand firm, to keep the faith, and to continue trusting that the Lord will provide. And here we are, providentially, at the end of June, a time where we are casting our nominations in for the next class of elders and deacons, right? And these elders are going to come forward in just a few minutes to serve us communion. And what might the Lord be telling our elders and our deacons this morning? Stand firm and keep your faith because God always provides. And if He is leading us through the wilderness personally, as a church, as a church in America, whatever it is, He will always provide everything that we need in His timing and in His way. So as we think about a God who always provides, what is your pain point this morning? What is that point in your life, that place in your life where you feel like you are right on the edge? Maybe it is your finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's relationships, your kids, your marriage, something else. A pain point where you you have your fist clenched a little bit and you are maybe quarreling with the Lord over what in the world, God? How are you going to provide in this moment of my life? You may want answers and resolutions right now. You may be saying, God, if, if only it was like it used to be. You may be tempted to say all of those things, and you may be saying them even in your head right now, even in your heart right now. What is that pain point? When God leads His people along a circuitous route, as we've learned in this sermon series, through this wilderness journey, you know why He's leading us through it? There are things He wants to teach us about Himself. That's the name of the sermon series, right? God's character. But there are also things that He wants to teach us about ourselves. Things that we don't know until we are pressed in this wilderness journey. And so maybe what He wants to teach you about His character is that He always comes through and He always provides. Maybe not in the way you think. Maybe not in the timing that you want. But God's character is such that He always provides what His people need as He leads them on this journey. So will you trust the Lord? Will you trust His character? Now, to close this up here, um, did you know that our physical needs, whether that's you know, hunger, health, relational hardship, whatever it is, our physical needs, do you know that they point us to a greater need that all of us have? Because while all of our physical needs are vastly different in this room and online, we all have one spiritual need. And that is to know that in our sin, there is only one person that can deliver us out of that sin. Our spiritual need is, is so great that there is nothing we can do to deliver us out of this need. And I think that's what God's trying to teach the Israelites, right? Their physical need was just a pointer to their real spiritual need. They needed to understand that whatever it was that they needed, spiritually and physically, there was only one person who could provide that need. That was the Lord. 
And there's only one person who can provide our need this morning. And so this text reminded me of another story in the Gospel of John. So just fast forward in your head with me for about 1,400 years, and I'll tell you all that you need to know about the story if you don't. But there was a woman, a woman from Samaria. And the, the way the story goes is that she went out to a well by herself at about noon to draw water. Some of you might remember this story. You know why she went alone and at noon? Most women would go together for safety, and most women would go in the morning when it was cool, or maybe in the evening after it had cooled off to get water. But this woman went alone in the hot part of the day because her life was a mess. This woman had been married five times, and now she was living with another man. She was looking for love, and no one on earth could satisfy her desire for love and intimacy. And so she was broken. She had been chewed up and spit out. She was an outcast in her town, in her culture. So she was alone. And she had to go fetch water, their most basic physical need, all by herself in the most uncomfortable time of the day to do it. But there was this one providential day where she went out to the well to draw the water. And there was a man sitting there at the well. And he said, ma'am, can you please draw some water for me? I'm thirsty. And then you know what this man said? He said, ma'am, I've got some water for you. And if you drink of the water that I give you, do you know you'll never be thirsty again? Because it's water that springs up to eternal life in your soul. Y'all remember what the lady said? Sir, give me this water. <laughs> that sounds really good to me. You see, that woman's relational needs, physical needs, emotional and mental needs, and the needs probably go on and on and on that she had in her life. They were mere pointers to the greatest need that she had in her heart. That was the need of Jesus himself to offer himself to her and that's the need that we have. Our spiritual need is so great that we would never, ever be able to meet it on our own. Only in the person of Jesus, as He offers us water of life, Himself, as He offers us Himself, can that need be met in the deepest parts of our heart. And so this morning, as we come to the table, I invite you to come thirsty. Being aware of, yes, all your physical needs, all your relational, emotional needs, but also being aware of the greatest need that we all have, which is our spiritual need. You know, Jesus invites us to that table thirsty, hungry, to get what only He can give us Himself. And so as we come to this table this morning, even in the midst of our complaining and grumbling and quarreling because we have no idea how God's going to provide my prayer is that we would just sit. That our hearts could rest. And we could allow Jesus to do what He does best, to serve. He has come to serve us love and grace and provision and peace and joy. He has come to serve us Himself. So let's come to the table.
And let's allow Jesus to serve our hearts this morning. Can we pray? Oh God, we are thirsty. We are hungry. We are people in a dry and weary land where there seems to be no water. Lord, whatever pain point we have in our life, Lord, we pray and we surrender ourselves to your care this morning. Would you work in our hearts faith to trust that you will provide for every situation, but may this physical need just help us see the reality of our deeper spiritual need. God, would you come this morning and serve us at this table and meet the spiritual need that we all have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In response, our choir is going to sing to us. Parents, don't forget your kids should be coming back in in a moment.